Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I'd like to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of Physical Therapy. And today, I'm pleased to have as my guest Dr. Jake Magel, who is Research Assistant Professor in the Department of Physical Therapy and Athletic Training at the University of Utah. Jake, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We're going to talk about an article he and his colleagues uh, have published in PTJ. It's entitled, Associations Between Physical Therapy, Continuity of Care, in healthcare utilization and costs in patients with low back pain. Jake, I appreciate you taking the time to, to do the podcast with me. I'll do a quick summary of your study, and then we can talk about some questions that I have, okay? Sounds good. This is a very interesting study, the objective of which was to examine the impact of continuity of care provided by physical therapists on healthcare use and healthcare costs in patients with low back pain who had been referred from primary care. The study design was a retrospective analysis of claims data from almost 2,000 patients with low back pain who were in Utah's all-payer claims database. The authors reported in their paper that patients who experienced greater continuity of their physical therapy provider during their care did experience a decreased likelihood of receiving surgical treatment for their low back pain and also paid less overall than those who experienced lesser continuity of their physical therapy provider. So, Jake, what got you interested in, in the potential relationship between continuity of care in physical therapy and utilization and costs in low back pain treatment? Well, as a clinician, I always valued the relationship that I formed with my patients, and I just found it difficult for the patient when they were faced with being managed by multiple providers. For example, if if uh, I was on vacation or or something like that, and I had to transfer the care to somebody else, the patients just generally didn't like that. And it's pretty well documented in the primary care literature that when a patient is managed by different providers within the same service for a given condition that costs increase and, and uh, hospital hospitalizations increase. And so I thought that there must be some sort of a similar relationship for patients with, with low back pain managed within PT, but there's very little research examining even the concept of continuity care in PT, so I thought this was a really good opportunity. It was really interesting to me because, as you point out, there's very little research on this topic in physical therapy. Most of it is, in fact, in medicine. So it was really interesting for me to see uh, see the article focused on this topic. Why did you focus specifically on uh, utilization of uh, ER visits, injections for low back pain, low back pain surgery, as well as overall costs? Why those? particular utilization and cost features? Those are really, we, we viewed those outcomes as proxies for patients that were not doing well, that we were able to identify in claims data. And as you are probably aware, claims data 
at least all the claims data, all pair claims database that we have access to doesn't have any markers of severity. So there's no oswestry, no no measures of pain, and so on. And so those were good markers for us for patients that were probably not doing well, and if they were seeking additional care and utilization, then that was a good marker that uh, they were not progressing. And those particular outcomes have been used in the past in looking at various processes of care for patients who patients with low back pain who access physical therapy, like in looking at uh, what the impact of timing of care for patients with low back pain. So they're well-used outcomes, and we thought that they would uh, be good outcomes for uh, this particular study as well. It is interesting. I just came back from a conference where Dave Elton from one of the, the payers, Optum Labs, was talking about how payers are focusing on these kinds of outcomes much more than the type of functional outcomes we're more interested in. And as you point out, increasingly that's what people are using as proxy for good or bad outcomes. So it uh, it, it jived completely with the way that you and your colleagues approached this study. You mentioned your, your database was the Utah All-Payer Claims Database. And in your article, you note that it covers about 80% of the population in Utah and about 90% of the commercial insurance market, uh, which is really quite good coverage. Do you know, Jake, if there are any known biases in this database? Well, Medicare fee-for-service is not in there, so we it would be underrepresented in terms of the older population, really. And there are no claims for patients that pay out-of-pocket for their health care. So we don't know, you know, patients that, that pay out of pocket, we don't have any information about that. And also, any insurance provider that has fewer than 2,500 beneficiaries are not required to report their claims to the all-payer claims database. So those aren't included and workers' comp aren't included. So, so yes, there are, um, there are limitations. You know, we readily acknowledge that for sure. But like you mentioned, the coverage, the coverage is pretty good. As you mentioned the um, the Medicare limitations, is that why you excluded people over the age of 64? As someone who falls into that demographic now, I'm very sensitive to when researchers exclude the 65 and older population. Was that the reason, or are there other reasons why you excluded those folks? That was the primary reason is that, that those patients would be underrepresented in our in our study. But, yes, that was the primary reason. I noted that uh, you used the National Provider Identifier to identify who provided the PT care. I'm not familiar with that identifier, so this may be a naive question, but uh, are you confident that it does accurately identify who actually provided the care, or do people use each other's identifier? So each provider has their own unique uh, NPI number. And that MPI number is then associated with the claim. And it's always possible that additional people were involved in the patient's care for whom the claim was billed, but were not billed under that provider's NPI number. That's something that we can't control, but we're pretty confident, or as confident as we can be using claims data, that the MPI number was a good way to identify that particular therapist who at least build for their services. 
And can only therapists use the national provider identifier, or can physicians also use that for providing what they call as physical therapy? No. That would be billed under their other own unique uh, national provider uh, uh, indicator. Um, okay. So, yeah, no. So you're pretty confident that it's uh, it's an accurate identifier? Pretty confident it's an accurate, yes, pretty confident. You focused on patients with at least three visits and up to 20 visits. I understand the reasoning for three. Continuity doesn't make much sense for less than that. Why did you exclude those who had over 20 visits, and does that happen very often? It doesn't happen that often, as you are probably aware, um, at least in health systems data that we have available, the average number of visits is somewhere, ranges between somewhere between four and eight. And we just had to make a cutoff, and we thought that people that were receiving more than 20 visits were falling outside the range of what might be considered to be a reasonable amount of visits and may potentially represent um, unusually complex cases um, that were really not the types of cases that we were interested in, in, in uh, limiting it to. I would assume even within the range of 30 to 20, there might be an increased likelihood of lack of continuity for those who had greater number of visits. Did you look at that, or is that just not something in the scope of what you did? It's just not something within the scope of what we did. You did note that continuity on average was quite high. You had a scale of zero to one that you used for quantifying continuity, and the average continuity was 0 0.93. So I had no frame of reference. So was that a figure that surprised you, or did you have some frame of reference for looking at average continuity? In the primary care literature, the average continuity is, is fairly high, and around 80 and 90. And in the one study that looked at, that used this index in the physical therapy literature, it was right around... Um, it was right around uh, 0.9. And, but yes, I was surprised um, that the average continuity was that high. And I, and I was surprised simply because of my experience in, as a physical therapist and working with healthcare systems and, and noting that somehow patients being managed by different physical therapists is unavoidable. So yeah, I was fairly surprised by that. And again, we don't know if that high number or high uh, value for physical therapy provider continuity is is unique to Utah or if that would be consistent with other states. We just we just don't know. It's also possible that the measure that we used is not the best measure. Had we used a different measure, we're not sure if it would have been, you know, if there's a there's several continuity of care indexes and, and we chose one that had been previously studied in, in, in physical therapy, but again we're not sure it's the best. And again how we identified our episode of care the time frame with when, within which uh, the patients um, had to be managed, had we changed that, uh, widened it out a little bit, then, then it's possible that um, we would have had lower continuity of care in that case. In terms of your findings, I was surprised that continuity wasn't related to all of your outcomes. It was selectively related to surgery and overall cost, but not related to ER visits or injections. Care to comment on, on that finding? Yeah, they weren't associated either with advanced imaging. 
And the short answer is I'm not entirely sure why, but it's possible that those patients uh, that were managed by multiple providers had potentially greater levels of severity, and um, they were they were looking around for help and um, and saw more therapists, and then they end up not doing as well. And the most severe patient, a potential next step for them is is to potentially seek out a surgical intervention, and that is why I think that. Surgery was associated over and above the other the other outcomes, but yes, I was surprised that the other outcomes were not associated as well frankly and costs of course uh surgical costs make up a great portion of overall costs, and that could certainly be a, a reason why overall costs were also associated with conduitive care yeah, I assume the the surgery was driving the cost figure with with all the interest these days on opioids. I was really interested to see in your data that about 9% of the patients filled an opioid script within plus or minus two weeks of their primary care visit. I was really shocked at how low that was, given what I've seen in the other literature. Why do you think that's going on? Is there something unique uh, about you folks in Utah or, or something else? I don't think there's something that's unique in Utah. In fact, unique, uh, Utah has some of the highest levels of prescription opioid use. And you're right in that other data that have examined processes of care for patients uh, with low back pain that receive physical therapy, actually the, the numbers are around 30%. So, yes, it was surprising to us. And and I think that um, had we widened the scope of our, of our uh, period within which we recorded whether or not the patient was prescribed or filled a prescription for opioids, we certainly would have had a bigger percentage. In fact, some of the reviewers of the manuscript commented on it was a fairly narrow window and why didn't we do something wider. And we uh, have certainly taken that to heart and in some future studies we'll be expanding that time frame. Well, it was very interesting. Um, you know, as you step back from the actual research and think about its implications for practice, any any thoughts for therapists to consider? As you're well aware, with this type of study, we can't really infer causality. We can't say that continuity of care is is definitely causing people to have, or lack of continuity of care is definitely causing people to have surgery for back pain. But it at least gives us pause, and it is a modifiable factor within a practice. And it's reasonable then, based on these findings, to at least make the suggestion that physical therapists ought to try to optimize continuity of care and decrease the number of providers that are number of physical therapy providers that are involved in the management of a, of, pa- of a patient of a single patient with low back pain. That I think is a is a reasonable suggestion. Are you going to follow up on this work, Jake? I'm I'm interested uh, having your thoughts on future work in this area. So we're not even really sure what physical therapists think about continuity of care. Is it something that they value? Is it something that uh, they think is important? And um, do the patients think that this is important? So some of the work that we're interested in doing is trying to find that out, and those would be some of our next steps. Well, I was very pleased to see the article. I I want to thank you and your colleagues for sending it to to PTJ. I was um, additionally pleased because it was funded by the COSTAR uh, Center, the Center on Health Services Research and Physical Therapy, so it was really nice to see the fruits of that investment. 
So congrats to you and your colleagues. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us about your study. And I would urge listeners to take a look at the article. Uh, I think they would enjoy it. Thanks, Jake. Thank you very much, Alan. I really enjoyed being here today.